Hi, welcome to the Movement for Modern Life podcast. I'm Kat Farrance and I'm founder of the Movement for Modern Life, known as the Netflix of yoga. In this podcast, I'll be exploring ways that we can all move more freely towards a healthy, happy and sustainable life. I'll be meeting teachers and experts in a variety of different fields. I'll be sharing with you some of my tips and tools that I have in my toolbox so you can take your small steps towards a healthy, happy, sustainable life. Hi, and welcome to episode 11 of our Champions of Change series. My name is Kat Farrance. I'm founder of Movement for Modern Life. And in this episode, I talk to Adam Hoke. Adam is one of the most popular teachers on the site. He came on board about a year ago. And I think the reason why he's popular is because, as you'll hear, he's so funny and so down to earth. He's also really bright and very, very thoughtful. He's thought about the practices that he teaches and the way that he teaches very, very deeply. And I think that you might enjoy hearing about that. Now, the thing that I really enjoy about this little conversation is he is so candid about not only how wonderful yoga is. Yes, yes, we all know that yoga is an amazing tool to have in our toolkit, as he puts it. But it's also the limitations of the practice. So it's really interesting to hear his thoughts on that. And the reason why, to me, he's a champion of change is because he is, well, he's one of the people who's really promoting how yoga can help men. Because there's a lot of crisis in masculinity, especially in men's mental health. And yoga is such a wonderful tool. So how is it that we can make yoga more accessible to men? And why is it that the Real Men Do Yoga campaign is so toxic? Huh. Find out more about that. Anyway, I'll leave you to grab a cup of tea, dig in and enjoy our conversation with Adam Hock. Today, I'm joined by Adam Hoke, who has now, you've been now on the platform, Adam, for over a year. It has been, yes, exciting. It's brilliant because, um, yeah, you feel like you're a new teacher, but you're so not because your classes, are, you've just shot right up to being one of our most popular teachers as well, which is brilliant. Well, that's, that's good to know. Everyone. Yeah, well, what I love, because, you know, I've got my little focus group. And my focus group on Movement for Modern Life is my mum. <laughs> <laughs> and my mum is very, um, very direct, let's say. Okay, always, I like that. Yeah, Yeah. well, she'll tell me what she thinks of new teachers. And she'll say, oh, you know, this one, mm, possibly a mistake. But Adam, she's like, oh, now this is a game changer, Cat. Now I've never had a teacher who's able to, and she tells me all the various instructions that you give and somehow you're able to speak to people to your students in a way which gives them permission that's an amazing quality Adam well I'm glad that that comes across but I think it comes from me struggling for many years with the practice right because none of this has come easy for me interesting and I know that, you know, people may look at the photos or me practicing, mm-hmm. you know, and think, all right, he's very flexible. Mm-hmm. He's very strong. He's doing all these advanced poses, but it's been hard work mm-hmm. 
to figure that out. And it's been a lot of me having to face the fact that my body might not do that. Mm. And to hear get a lot of conflicting advice from teachers. And I've had to really sort it out and figure out what, what I can do. So it hasn't been easy, but mm. it's been fantastic, but it hasn't been easy. So I really want to make sure that when people take my classes, that they can find their own way through. And that, that really comes yeah. across. Yeah. And it's fascinating that you've had that journey with yoga. You, because a lot, of, uh, a lot of teachers come from being dancers and you're sort of the opposite. Yeah, someone <laughs> asked me once if I was a dancer and I just started laughing. <laughs> because I mean, if you look back at my you know, illustrious career dancing, it mm-hmm. was my high school show choir. Amazing. And it was some really bad musicals. Um, <laughs> I was not light on my feet. Right. Yeah. And and it, it culminated when I was in my 20s. I took mm-hmm. a jazz dance class at mm-hmm. the 92nd Street Y in New York and mm-hmm. danced with a bunch of pensioners who were fantastic. <laughs> like, the, like our best dancer was coming off of a hip replacement. <laughs> and we, we danced. We had a recital. We danced to Prince. I loved it, but Amazing. I ain't a dancer. Yeah. I'm not super flexible. I don't come from a big sport background. Yeah. I was the one running the mile in, in school and vomiting at the end of it. <laughs> really, so, really make me laugh. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that if, is why you can speak to just the normal people who have the same experience, who aren't sporty, who aren't dancers, but they just want to feel better in their bodies. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where we are in yoga now. I've been thinking a lot, like, what, what is yoga now? Mm-hmm. And one of the big things about it is we have a heck of a lot more people doing yoga mm-hmm. and starting at different times in their lives, mm-hmm. starting with different body types starting with you know age and injury and mm-hmm. dysfunction or just mm-hmm. you know just not in their bodies at all and we can't just think like everyone who's going to come is this is going to be great for them and easy we got to we got to like welcome everybody into the room yes yes absolutely and i i do think that for so many years yoga has been a little bit exclusive for the younger people for the bendy people and it has attracted a lot of dancers who possibly don't understand the challenges of those of us who are a little bit, I know I'm the same, completely mal-coordinated, not mm-hmm. particularly naturally flexible, terrible at sports, had no relationship with my body at all. Yeah. So it's lovely. It's been very, very freeing to discover your classes because, you know, you really do speak to, yeah. oh, how do you feel in the morning? <laughs> Freaky, achy, you know, all of yeah. that. Well, I think like the first class I recorded, which was, was the morning reset. And yeah. when I was thinking about it, you know, I was thinking like, what, what do people want in the morning? What, like, if you're getting on your mat in the morning, hmm. are you thinking about a yoga sutra? Hmm. Are you thinking about learning to engage your glute need? Are <laughs> you thinking about, you know, I want to do an advanced variation of wheel pose. <laughs> no. No. no, you are, you are tired. You know, you might be dehydrated. You're wondering about your digestion. Yeah, you yeah. you just want to wake up. You want to feel good, and, and like mm-hmm. that. For at least for what we're doing here, uh, you mm-hmm. know, it's like for people doing yoga at home and trying to use it just to feel good in their life. We got mm-hmm. I'm like, 
keep it real. Like yoga is many things. I mean, there mm -hmm. is the yoga that goes deep, deep, deep into spiritual journeys. Mm -hmm. And there is the yoga that is, you know, starts out just like, let me feel a little better. Let me get in my body and form a positive relationship with my body. Oh. And I think the sense of humor is yeah. so vitally important. Mm -hmm. It is. It, it all, yoga is often a bit humorless, isn't it? I mean, we can just think about just as a teaching tool or just, you know, like getting friendly with people, having a sense of humor. But mm. to me, the sense of humor breaks through the sort of like all or nothing binary that mm -hmm. I, I'm good at yoga or I'm bad at yoga. Mm -hmm. My body is great or my body isn't great. I'm flexible or I'm inflexible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's when I find myself getting serious with instructions in class or teaching something big, I just have to stop and say, like, guys, Yep, this is fun, but crow pose is not a life skill. <laughs> so if you found yourself getting really serious about this outcome, mm. stop, see how ridiculous that is, and laugh about it. Yeah. Because it's funny like how silly we get sometimes. I and mean, I think this the humor is a tool of breaking through that seriousness mm -hmm. and finding that middle road that can just proceed with the present moment. And not this ideal of what our body should be doing or not. It's, mm. to me, a very important part of the journey. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How did, you, how did you come up with your particular tone of voice, which is so different? And how did you work out <laughs> that humor is the thing that can work for people? I mean, all I can be is myself. Yeah. And this is me. And so it's been a... It's been a long journey to be able to be myself in a class. And there's been plenty of times when I have not been myself mm -hmm. teaching a class. Mm -hmm. But this is me. You know, this is me. When I say silly jokes, mm -hmm. that is me. And they're not always funny, but it's me. You know, I, and I, I think, oh gosh, you know, you've hit on the key to life there. Because so often we all try and replicate you know, what other people are doing. And we might try to replicate our teacher's tone of voice or yeah. talking the yoga voice. <laughs> but actually, when we can be comfortable with ourselves and really inhabit who we are, that's when things start coming across in a very, in a really real down-to-earth way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the permission to be myself, I mean, comes mm -hmm. from my teacher because he mm -hmm. is himself. He uses humor. He, yeah. he just is straight to the point. Yeah. Um, but that's all coming from a lot. He takes it so seriously, mm -hmm. but yet has the seriousness to know that it's not that serious, that we can have a sense of humor and, and break through this. And it, you know, when you dig underneath that, that's all coming from the tradition of spiritual teachers that he's looked at, that I've look, looked at. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's a teaching tool, but it is me. Yeah, right. Interesting. And I like that it's the acknowledgement of who you are and that you are possibly the least flexible person in the room. And that's okay <laughs> as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's who I was when I started. Yeah. I could yeah. not touch my toes. When my arms went above my head, they were yeah. bent. Yeah. My butt did not touch my heels in child's pose. Uh -huh. I remember that the first time my butt touched my heels, it was like, wow, <laughs> that is not a big deal. <laughs> it's just like... It's like one of those things. It's <laughs> like life is, yeah. On my teacher training, I was always the one dragged to the front when they had to have a discussion about what to do with people in class who had tight hamstrings. Oh, gosh. 
You were the tight hamstring guy. I was, yeah, I was that. But when I go around and teach workshops around all, you know, when I, on my, on my grand tours through the UK, I try when I have people as examples, Mm -hmm. I will, of course, get the person who can, you know, flop down. Mm-hmm. totally over their legs in a forward fold, let's say. Mm-hmm. But I will also make sure that I get a person who cannot do that to that depth mm-hmm. and say that both of these people are doing the pose. Yeah, right. And one isn't better. Just because someone was born with the bones to do that does not make them a better yogi. Because we're in this like insanity in yoga world where we glorify extreme flexibility. Mm. We glorify something that very few people have. And a lot of these big flexibility poses Mm -hmm. are just not available to people. And they will never be because of the bones, you know, and we haven't got to the place where we start doing bone lengthening. Mm -hmm. We're just, it's just not going to happen. So I think in my classes, I want to make sure that there isn't a hard block Mm -hmm. because of some flexibility challenge. Mm. That there's another way through because it's like it's not that important to be flexible as a life skill. It also like the people who are very flexible have some problems sometimes. Mm. So I think we just want to find balance with how much we glorify flexibility, you know, uh, as opposed to strength or finding the the balance between the two. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right because the poses that you see are often so unattainable for most people, and the shame is that yoga has always traditionally said, just keep practicing and then this pose will be yours. But and that's, just, that's a total <laughs> crock, you know? And I think we just have to acknowledge that, that there, yeah. people have different skeletons, yeah. people have lived different lives, and some things may not happen, but it's not the pose that matters. Poses can be done in many different ways and they're still the pose. It's sort of the interior life of the pose, the intention of the pose, how that pose is affecting you is, I think, the more interesting thing. Not what it looks like. Who cares? Yeah, right. But isn't it interesting that this has been the, maybe it's been the journey of yoga, because it certainly was the message when I was practicing, sort of starting out years ago. That was how it was, you know, practice and all is coming. And yeah. yeah, but this is... Yeah, but this is like, you know, back to this idea of like, what is contemporary yoga? What, are, what is yoga now? Mm-hmm. Like, so more people doing it. Yeah. But we also have the experience of, you know, almost 100 years of a lot of people doing it. Mm-hmm. And we have learned from that experience. Yeah, right. We also have huge advances in exercise science. Mm. And we've learned from that. And so like, if we don't learn from that and implement that, you know, we, we might have some problems because <laughs> I am, and I'll just lay it out there. I am a person who believes in science. Mm-hmm. I believe in progress. I believe in reality. I like looking at traditions and seeing where they fall into place. But fundamentally, I'm totally modern contemporary. I want to go from science and learn from that. And I think that is so exciting to be able to, to fuse all these wonderful ancient traditions and with with the learning that we have now because they people who are figuring out the body when when hatha yoga was developing a few hundred years ago were doing the best they can they were scientists they were testing things and experimenting they were using the tools they had and they figure out a whole heck of a lot a lot of which still stands true Mm. 
or maybe it's the same as what we understand now, but just in, in a more imaginative, evocative language or way of experiencing. But like when we have learned better, we should take that and run. Yeah, no, that, I, I think that's absolutely brilliant and it would be great if everyone could really take that on board because that's real wisdom right there. Because, you know, a lot of people might follow uh, yoga on Instagram and, and it really does oh, glorify Lord. the look of something. Um, Can I say, like, I was being interviewed for a newspaper the other day. And the interviewer asked me, what do I think about yoga poses on Instagram? And what's the answer? (laughs) (laughs) I had lots of answers going through my head. (laughs) And I knew that if I was strong in my answer, it would be printed in an international newspaper. So I I tried to be politic. Um, Because you're like, let's say it is nice that people are excited about Instagram on yoga. Mm -hmm. But actually, yoga poses on Instagram has nothing to do with yoga. It's a picture of a person doing a pose, mm-hmm. probably in a controlled environment, probably just for the look of it. Maybe mm-hmm. they're holding it two seconds and it has nothing to do with a yoga practice. And it's, that's just what it is. So we got to see it for what it is. It's a photograph. Yeah, right. Very interesting, isn't it? Because people do mistake that for reality. I mean, gosh, I think that's possibly the malaise of our times for everything. People mistake a photograph for reality. But it's a lovely reminder to people that that's not reality and what's real is what's going on in your body. Yeah. Oh, that's so freeing, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's all we got is our body, this moment. It's the tool we have to experience the present moment. So yeah. we got to have some sort of relationship with it and get there. Yeah. And, and on that subject of contemporary yoga and how we all live our yoga practice as as people who are working and fitting it in, and it seems like it might be a very inaccessible, unattainable thing. You know, people who say, I have no time for yoga. And I don't know, how do you think that average, normal, busy people can achieve a state of yoga in their life? I think it's just like, what, what are you defining mm-hmm. as yoga and the act of practicing it? Good question. I mean, that's that's the starting point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, for me in my life, it is it is management of my body. It is management of my personality and my nervous system, and it is the steps I take to make peace with all of that, and and I go on this journey of life and try to be a happy person with less suffering or less attachment to suffering, and just be present with the people I love, and it ain't handstand handstand (laughs) might be a tool for that right but it ain't handstand so i have loads of yoga tools Mm -hmm. to help me from this journey of suffering to the path out of suffering some of them are embodied and there's a whole variety you've been seeing my class i've been throwing tennis balls i've been doing things at the wall i've been massaging myself it's not just Mm -hmm. yoga stuff you know, or mm-hmm. traditional yoga stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have loads of tools now. That's the exciting thing about contemporary yoga is we got a lot more tools. Yeah, it's great. So it's all these tools of embodiment that I use on a daily basis. And you know what? Sometimes I go run because that's oh, what feels like. the. Run. I know, shocking, <laughs> shocking. Expose. Oh my yes, expose. <laughs> Sometimes I lift weights. That too. You know, and, so, and tell me about the weights. I think it's just, that's 
being in the body, can't just mm -hmm. stretch, you know, can't mm -hmm. just move in the same way. I want to load my joints and my bones and, and put that force through my muscles in a, in a healthy, controlled way. That helps me feel embodied. And I also like it. Mm. And it also helps me balance out the type of work I do in yoga. Mm. So because, you think in yoga, go on. Oh yeah, I was just going to say like yoga does many things very, very well. Mm -hmm. And if we're just looking at getting embodied and stretching, strengthening and, and so forth, but it does some things not so well, like upper body strength and pulling and loading the hamstrings with weight while you fold and all that stuff. You know, and because I'm a person who practices a lot of yoga, mm -hmm. I want to have some complementary strength to make sure I can keep doing it well. And I can include that in little bits in my yoga practice. But sometimes it's just a lot more efficient if I go and pick up some weights. So I'm always thinking about efficiency. Like, do I want to use my yoga practice to like really add some hamstring strengthening to balance all the hamstring stretch I do. How much can I realistically do in a yoga practice and still like it? Mm -hmm. Or should I just go to the gym and use some weights? All right. And, and would you be tempted to be one of those people who did weights with yoga? I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's fantastic to add a little resistance. To me, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of this thing like, it becomes harder the more stuff you add on top of a yoga practice mm -hmm. to make it still feel like a yoga practice. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's impossible. And I'm sure some people are teaching it beautifully and wonderfully. Yeah. But I always think like, what, what is yoga really good at? Yoga for me is really good at the nervous system management, mm. the whole body, like large picture sense of embodiment or regional sense of embodiment the forming a relationship of compassion and care with my body, breathing through challenge, finding rest when I can. Is it really good at targeted muscle strengthening? Mm. Are other things really good at targeted muscle strengthening? Yes. Mm. So should I try to use something that's already good at something else yeah. and throw all this other stuff on top of it? Or should I just go to the thing that's much more efficient? Yeah, I must say I am... Um... Controversially, I, I actually really agree. I think, I think I almost made a mistake in, when I was in my youth of taking out my energy on a vinyasa. And uh, yeah. I had lots and lots of you know, nervous energy, young person, all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of ashtanga, vinyasa, all of this. And I think that it wasn't great for my body. I should have probably just gone on a run, done some weightlifting. Yeah done something to expend the energy, and then comes the yoga mat. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I, I start all my practices with a check-in, which I'm sure mm -hmm. you've seen. And if, to me, that's fundamental. It's like you think, like, how do I feel? Mm -hmm. What do I need? And is what I'm going to do today do that? Mm. Or should I just go run? And I think if you, if you feel like you need that energy expenditure in your mm -hmm. life, go find the most efficient way to do it. Mm. Like if people really want to take out all that energy and anxiety and they like, they need to move, maybe they've been sitting mm. at a desk all day or sitting at home all day and they need to move. If you like really need to move fast and want to get your heart rate up, yoga is a poor choice. Oh, I love that. I just, it's, I just want you to say that again. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it is. I mean, this is not, this is all right. 
on one level, one level that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Also, in terms of study of cardiovascular heart rate mm-hmm. situations, trying to get that up, like a big, strong Ashtanga class is no more than a brisk walk around the block. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get your heart rate up doing that stuff. So if your goal is to burn off that like big old energy, mm. go run, go swim, go get on a bike, go do something that you can do that. If your goal is like slow, mindful movement, match to breath, Mm-hmm. to calm your nervous system, to have this full body sense of embodiment, embodied mindfulness, then things like yoga and things like the Qigong that Mimi's doing, things like mm-hmm. stuff that's all over your site. You know, it's, that sort of stuff is really good mm-hmm. at getting in there, running, getting it out. You know, yeah. so Just use the right tools. And this is where we are in the world now. We have so many tools. So yeah. like, choose the right one and use it well and use it efficiently. Oh, I think um, that's so great because uh, I think people often do mistake yoga for fitness and it's just crap at fitness. It's really Well, not- I mean, it's good at some parts of fitness. Okay. If you do it well at the right speed, it's really good at creating long and strong muscles. Mm-hmm. It's really good at, you know, the, the increasing the quality of your breath. It's really good at just, you know, keeping joints happy. Yeah. You know, it's good at that if you do it in a reasonable way, but is it going to give you cardiovascular fitness? No. Do you need cardiovascular fitness? I don't know to what level. That's a whole other person's yeah. podcast. But if you feel you need that, then go do the right thing. Go do yeah. the efficient thing. Yeah. I, I I'm love it. Re- I'm getting really passionate about this. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> it, it's something that I've really, because I really think, oh, I probably didn't do very much good to my body because also yoga poses put you in some quite extreme places. And if you do it quite fast, because you've got tons of energy and you want to do like puff, puff, here I go, I'm doing this. And actually you might, it's quite easy to injure yourself in that sort of way. Yeah. Well, because if you're moving fast, you're not moving mindfully and you're not paying attention. Number one, if you're moving fast, you're probably also not creating a balance of stretch and strength to support the possibly big postures that you're into. Mm-hmm. And the more you move fast over and over again, say you're doing like lots of vinyasa and repetitive yeah. things, uh, little, little misalignments over and over and over again, yeah. may or may, I don't want to scare people, but like may or may not add up to a little bit of pain. I think that they quite possibly do. (laughs) I think my slightly older body is now telling me that those things probably weren't a good idea. And I tell you what, my yoga practice now is very much exactly as you describe, which is why, you know, your practice for me very much hits the spot because I'm all about nervous system regulation, feeling better, learning how to regulate my own mood, my own feelings and thoughts. Yoga is wonderful for that mindfulness, for that contemplation, the breath work, and feeling the sort of the the stretch, but in a, not as in a, I'm going to stretch myself today. Just just a gentle, nice stretch, nice joint movement. I mean, everything to me is about finding the middle road. The middle road, that's it. Yeah. I mean, spiritually, mm-hmm. physically, everything. I just find the middle road. I'm not, in, I mean, some people are all about, let me take this as far as I can. And there are yoga traditions that do that. And it's yeah. very, it's like you're, you're renouncing a little bit of yourself to be able to do the practice and burn off bad karma. I mean, it's just a whole other worldview. Mm. My middle road. I'm a householder. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so as, as a yogi, obviously you've described that what yoga means to you is basically it's going out into the world. It's the times that you're off the mat as much as it is on the mat. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean in terms of your personal practice, do you drink alcohol and do all of <laughs> <laughs> I drink alcohol. I'm drinking alcohol right now, Kat. Oh, I, I, have, <laughs> I, I blended up a margarita to sit here and yeah, I'm grilling up some steaks on the barbecue. <laughs> no, all right. So <clears throat> let's get to this idea. Cause I, so people have this idea that I, if you're a yoga teacher or a, just a, a serious, a serious practitioner mm-hmm. that uh, you have to renounce everything yeah. and everything is virtuous and you know what that may or may not be the case and it may or may not be what's great for the person's health now if we're talking like alcohol of course drinking lots of alcohol is not the best for you but if you're a person who follows the middle road and wants to drink i don't care i drink you know i drink when i am social and if you like it and then i don't have a drink the next day you know, I, I live the middle road life where I'm not going to get attached to things. I'm not going to get addicted. And because of the yoga tools I have, I know if I, whatever your vice is mm-hmm. or your perceived vice, if it affects you poorly, you pay attention. You feel it in the morning. You know, wait, I shouldn't do that. I can have half a glass of wine, but not the big, you know, 250. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a little bit. So you just find the things that affect your well-being. So I think it's, for me, it's looking at things not as like, that's good or bad. It's like, how does that affect my life and my suffering, Mm -hmm. my experience of it? And then you can take the next level. How does it affect sort of socially the world? Is It's a thing I'm ingesting or doing, let's say, causing me pain the next day or affecting my relationships. Is the thing I'm ingesting or doing affecting the world negatively around me mm-hmm. and then if i sit with that how do i feel about it what reasonable choices are there for me to make without getting extreme because we can get also we can get attached to our idea of being a virtuous person mm-hmm. instead of just trying to act in a way that is compassionate to ourselves and to others we get attached to the idea of I am doing everything right and everyone else is doing everything wrong and aren't they horrible and aren't I great? Yeah. So we got, we got to watch that and have a sense of humor about that. But you know, I'm a normal person. That, that's, that's a loaded word. I'm just a person who lives in the world. Sometimes I drink. I eat a variety of things. I try to take care of my health. I try to make sure those around me take care of their health. I try to make sure the world's health is taken care of. But I do my best because that's all I can. That sounds like a really nice, sensible place. And that's the reason why I think you speak to so many people, because it's a very sensible, ordinary thing to say. But it's also in, infused with that making conscious choices and being aware and having the sensitivity. It's not being ridiculous about the things that you do. Yeah. I mean, well, this is where like things like yoga lifestyle mm. sometimes like, just boggles my mind. Like, what is that? Is mm. it just like a marketing code to sell us like crystals and candles mm-hmm. or is there a yoga lifestyle? Mm. Like if we were, if we were as a community had certain qualities, but I think it's what you're getting at is that if we're doing 
you know, we're, we're all sort of Hatha yogis here. So we're using uh -huh. the body, we're using these poses. Are we using them just to do them or are we using them to become more aware about ourselves and our bodies and our, you know, our state of existence in this world right now? Mm -hmm. And if we're learning that, that gives us hopefully a more fine-tuned awareness for the health and wellness and well-being of the people around us in our immediate circle. Mm -hmm. And then we start sort of, hopefully that sort of grows the more we practice, the more we, we spend time with these practices. Mm. Nice. I think that is a yoga lifestyle. Not yeah. a novelty t-shirt, not, you know, whatever it may be. Oh, this, is, this is where I need to keep my mouth shut and my, <laughs> and my thoughts. But I think it's like, let's, let's, you know, the surface things get rid of. The yeah. way the pose looks, what mm -hmm. you wear to class what you wear when you practice, how you decorate your house, what type of life you think you're living, what's going on underneath that. Yeah, right. That's a, that's a much more important question. And, and, what, and the other thing I, that I really wanted to talk to you about, Adam, because, because you're a very thoughtful person, you do spend time thinking about these things, is masculinity and yoga. Because yeah. it's such an interesting thing. And I think yoga is such a useful tool for so many men. Yeah, it's one of those funny things now that, so if you go to a studio class out in the world, you will probably see mostly women. So it's one of those things that you're like, huh, okay, what's going on here? If you go back to the sort of the history, the development of the yoga we do now, you see mostly men doing it and mostly men teaching it and women not allowed to do it, and women fighting their way to teach it. Mm. And you think, like, what, what happened? <laughs> so it's what did happen? What happened? <laughs> and I, you know, I don't know what, who's viewing by gender all my classes, but I imagine it's probably similar to that. Mm. So like, what on earth happened? It's a big old question, but all we can do is like, think, all right, what, what's happening now? We want some men to practice yoga because we know it helps us feel better. It helps us suffer less. It helps us form a, a better relationship with our body. And that may just be about, you know, feeling good in your bones or being more loving towards yourself. So how do we get them there? You know, I've gotten like a little bee in my bonnet over the past few years about all these like real men do yoga campaigns. Mm. I kept seeing them and like these hashtags and I thought like, all right, so real men do yoga, like, but what is a non-real man? Like if you, you're, you're qualifying a real man and then yeah. one who isn't real. Yeah. And, and you're right. This is absolutely, because I, I must say I, I was drawn into the, oh yeah, real men yoga, because then you think, oh, it's real to show emotions and to be vulnerable. But you're absolutely right. What is a non-real man? Is it some kind of Ken with, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because for me, like, I would usually see, and there, all this stuff is well-meaning, but I would see, like, the real men do yoga stuff paired with some very, like, muscular image mm -hmm. or a description that was talking about muscles and strength and sport. Mm -hmm. So it was just sort of set, setting up this thing, like, where real man is this sort of, idea of masculinity as we as we see it now and it's like mm. strength 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 power 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 mm. 
so I thought like, was well, a real man. And to me, that just, that just triggers all of my stuff about growing up gay, being you're perceived as feminine and sort of not allowed in that little boys club or being viciously made fun of. And I know like, so it's sort of, to me, it's tinged with homophobia. Mm-hmm. It's tinged with transphobia. And it's just, it's just like not thoughtful. It's just lazy, not thoughtful. Mm-hmm. So I've written about that a few times. Mm. And it's um, interesting that about the strength, if we can just dig into that a bit. Yeah. So this is like, so I've complained about the real men do yoga stuff. So I'm like, I, every time I write about it, I, I think, all right, so like, what is the issue at hand here? Mm-hmm. So I think all I can talk about is my own experience and mm-hmm. I can talk about generalities. And there's, of course, a million other things. But I think in many ways, male sort of masculine gender identity has been or is tied to an idea of being strong or like not having that strength and being made fun of for it. Mm. And of course, many men are socialized and grow up with sport and either they're included in that or they're lousy at it and sort of out of a social circle. Mm. So there is this idea that being a real man means that you have the strong body and that you're physically proficient in some way and you're powerful and nothing's going to you know break that down and that if you look at all the sort of men's health and fitness magazines you're not going to be getting anything different from what i'm telling you i mean just look yeah. at the covers it's it's yeah. and, you know, and, and women's magazines i'm sure have their own problems oh um, they, they, they but, do. <laughs> but, but it's interesting to talk about these issues of masculinity actually yeah so all right so anyway there's this like idea of strength that like I have to be this thing, okay? Mm. So if we want to get men to class, that is in the room. It is. Um, And maybe if mindfully done, it is the way to construct a class to get them initially interested Mm -hmm. or initially hooked into the idea. But of course we have to show all the other things about it. You know, what's good about yoga is that it does balance strength and flexibility, mm-hmm. hard work, and rest. And for me, the most important thing, it's an embodied practice of self-compassion. So we want all these men to feel better about themselves because we'll get to the crisis in a second. Like we want all these men to feel better about themselves, but we need to do it in an embodied way because the body is so much a part of the self-image mm-hmm. and all the baggage contained therein. But I said that like there's a crisis. There is a crisis. Mm-hmm. Like the men's mental health in the UK is at like shocking levels of suicide. It's the yeah. number one killer of men under 45. Yeah. It ain't heart disease, it's suicide. Mm-hmm. And that to me is unacceptable. So we have, you know, there are a million things that can happen and should happen. All I can talk about is yoga because that's what I know. Mm-hmm. So I think in that way we can create an embodied practice of self-compassion and self-compassion if taught very specifically and well lowers anxiety and depression this is clinical studies this is not just mm-hmm. my opinion um and it reduces you know all sorts of stress physically manifested stress and, and all the things that that do to it does to a body so to me it's important um very important that mm-hmm. we get men practicing yoga but we got i gotta get them there so we can't just be lazy mm-hmm. about how we get them there and say real men do yoga and, and you know, put up some muscular dude on a photo and and create a men's class and then put a bunch of push-ups in it 
you know, that's me, <laughs> that's just lazy. But it comes back to like all the stuff we've been talking about. Like if we're going to work with men for whatever reason, now it's just a bunch of, you know, 35 year old women who are mm-hmm. slender and fit doing yoga in a class as a generalization. Yeah. So they're sort of scared to go in there. Yeah. For, you know, I wrote a little blog about it with all sorts of things, which we can talk about later. But we got to make sure the class is accessible. So it can't just be focused on one ideal body type and pose. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure, you know, flexibility isn't king. Yeah. That range of motion is not king. Huge poses aren't king. That we keep it in a way that many people can practice together and it's inclusive and opening. We got to have the sense of humor. Yeah. Because if men are coming in and afraid of, you know, what I've talked like afraid of farting, afraid of the females in the room, afraid yeah. of all that stuff, you got to laugh about it because it's funny. <laughs> it's funny that we get so hung up on that stuff. So we got to acknowledge it. And then we got to build a practice around self-compassion. We have to. Because if you know, we get this man coming in who feels not that strong and is coming, and then we just load up a class all about chaturangas and building That's right. you know, yeah, all that stuff, then you might feel pretty crummy at the end. Mm. So we, we build in the strength. We build in all the stuff around it. And I think that's the important thing. We got to like move beyond these unobtainable ideas of masculinity because we're, we know better. You know, we see all these suicide rates. We see all the Me Too stuff and then the crisis there in the relationships between men and women, you mm-hmm. know, socially and sexually and in the workplace. I mean, mm-hmm. This is a problem we need to work through. You know, it's, and it's exciting now that younger people are moving beyond binary, but there's a whole lot of people who ain't that young and don't quite get that. So it's time and we do what we can in the yoga world. And there's a lot of work to do everywhere else. Mm. But I feel pretty passionate about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'd, I'd love to just hear your thoughts about how we can make more men feel feel that this is a good place for them, feel that they're welcome within yoga. Because I see so many classes which are sort of aimed at men, which, as you say, which only focus on the strength practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's a good place to start. Maybe it yeah. is. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'll take whatever works. So if you yeah. can get men there mm-hmm. initially with that stuff, mm-hmm. I'll take it. Yeah. But then... We have to move them on. (laughs) Yeah, you got to move them on. Because if we're just talking about yoga, it's not just all about strength. Mm -hmm. And then, as I said, strength is a loaded thing. It's important. It's an important part of yoga practice Mm. just just to balance out the flexibility. But it ain't the whole thing. So we got to show the softness. We have to show the 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 surrender we have to show the the ability to rest when things get tough the development of resilience like all that has to be there but if we can get them there through that mm. i'll take it yeah um, absolutely <laughs> and then you know people ask me too like how do i get my husband how do i get my partner i think you can't just preach yeah you can't just beg people or try to force people to come to class i think all you can really do is do your practice, mm-hmm. show how it affects you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like when you know it's done really well is when they see that you haven't done your practice and you're sort of cranky huh. or you, get, you don't have your stuff together on that certain day. Mm. And they see like, oh, 
she should be doing yoga. And then, then things start to click. They sort of see the value. But it's just, we got to make sure things are accessible and open to people and that it doesn't become so serious, all or nothing. If you can't touch your heels down and down dog with straight legs or whatever, it, that it's not worth it. It's like, yeah, right. of course it's worth it. <laughs> it's, it's funny and quite interesting that I have quite a few anecdotal tales um, in the world of online yoga that often you know, the woman partner will get the membership and she'll come downstairs and she'll find their male partner watching the, the videos. So it's like, oh, that's really interesting. Just, they're, just watching. They're, they're, they're not <laughs> just watching. If that was the first step, <laughs> we'll take it. They, wa- they watch first. <laughs> they see that nothing weird is going on. But, the, but it's nice that there's a sort of curiosity that it leads them, because in a way, it's a very, very safe way for a guy who might feel intimidated to come into a yeah. 60s sweating lycra crowd. Yeah, well, this is why I love, I mean, there's many reasons why I love people that they can practice at home. And, and one of them is like, yeah, for people who are a little scared mm. to go into the studio, I'm like that, how, first of all, how human and normal and real and understandable is it to be scared to go into a space where you don't know what you're doing, where yeah. there's people who you think look better than you or more fit mm-hmm. than you wearing more expensive, beautiful leggings than you or whatever. That's totally normal and human. I get it. We've all been in those awkward situations where we feel like we don't belong. So if we can begin by doing it at home and having the comfort of that and learning at our own pace, like fantastic. And you know, what I also love is that you can wake up in the morning and say, I want to do 20 minutes. That's all I got. That's all I can possibly do today. And I want to do something that makes me feel a little bit more uplifted. You can choose. And it's like you take this into your own hands and you see that the, these are tools like what I've been banging on about. All these practices are tools to feel better in your body, feel better in your life, to reduce suffering, to have a, you know, a better relationship with the world and the people around you. So if you can be empowered enough to choose the one that works for you, the style that works for you, the teacher that works for you, the type of class, the type of focus, and it makes a difference and you observe it, like... That is so wonderful. I agree. I think it's just, it's a nice entry point, isn't it? It's accessible, it's easy, and it does get you thinking about what do I want right now as well? Yeah, I mean, because that, I mean, one level that's like, that's a great consumer thing. I can pick what I like. But Mm. also I think it is, this is, that's the heart of yoga. It's like you check in, you Mm. see like existentially where you are, physically where you are, emotionally where you are, and you say, Today, I need to work on this. This mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it with this intensity, with mm-hmm. this intention. I have a good sense of humor about it. I'm going to do this. And you have, mm-hmm. the, you have the ownership of your own body and your life and your experience in the world. And you're taking charge to make a difference. Like It's one of those things that like, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says, I'll probably misquote, but he says, like, if you want to end suffering, like, start now. Mm-hmm. It starts now. But it's not some like future thing. If you want it, if you want to end a suffering, you got it. You just got to start. Mm. Oh, so that's quite a deep one. And it leads me on to the question, which I'm always most fascinated by, Ooh, okay. which is, well, it's about that practicality. So yes, we can end suffering right now, but what small steps would you encourage the average person or would you take in order to end suffering? <laughs> 
for yourself right now? Just a small step. Yeah, I mean, well, first, I mean, it's everything we've been talking about. I mean, I have a very Buddhist perspective about this because that's how I've studied and 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 been inspired. But it's like you guys sit there and check in and acknowledge. All right, today such and such doesn't feel good in my heart and my body. All right, I have acknowledged the truth of that. Right. I am not resisting it, mm-hmm. and that is a process every day in my life. I wake mm-hmm. up, I see how I feel. I'm not resisting this. I can wake up and meditate or I can wake up and do a great strong practice or I can wake up and run, but I'm going to like face the reality of it. Mm. Number one. And then, all right, if I'm feeling like this, there's probably some reasons why. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm feeling crummy. Is that because I had that second glass of wine last night? Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have had that. Maybe I should have had a lighter dinner. Maybe I shouldn't have said that nasty thing to that person because now I'm suffering too and they're probably suffering. So I feel bad mm-hmm. about that. Like you see the things that led to the suffering. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that to me is still part of the, the check-in. And it's also at least physically in the yoga practice, like as you go through the, the, the practice, you see things that are hurting or not or moving or not mm-hmm. or, or like in your awareness or not. So you start sort of understanding what's going on there. Mm. And then- there's the, like the good news, like, all right, I'm feeling all this. Some of it is fine. Some of it ain't fine. But you know what? How many spiritual teachers are there? Mm-hmm. How many books could I read? How many fantastic yoga teachers are there? How many wonderful embodied tools are there? There are so many things. There is hope. There is hope mm-hmm. on the horizon. I don't got to live like this. <laughs> if I'm, I'm having a day where I suffer, I don't feel good. You know what? I don't. I don't have to put up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, like Chogum Trungpa, who is one of the teachers I admired, says, like, "There's no cure for hot or cold." Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to have that. We will all suffer. We will all have grief. We will all, you know, we will go through the whole range of life, good and bad. But we can find a way. There's, there's like a way to like get out of like the huge roller coaster of that, and to find mm-hmm. a little bit more calmness. There is a way. And you know what? Those ways all have practical steps. Mm-hmm. And to me, I do my embody tools. Uh, everything you see, like the types of stuff you see me recording, mm-hmm. that's basically what I do. I right. roll around on some balls. I stretch. Mm-hmm. I breathe. I do lots of restorative. I do lots of meditation. I do a reasonable, moderate amount of moderately paced, moderately strong asana. Mm-hmm. I do the other stuff that helps me manage my body and my nervous system. So there is a path. And then I can follow all that physical stuff and I can follow the spiritual path that makes sense to me. So it's just, it's just, to me, it's the very simple, you know, Buddhist path of suffering. But you know what? I got there somehow. Yeah. There's a way out. All right. Let me see that way out and I'll take those steps and we'll see what happens. Mm. And that's That's just that, that is the continual everyday process. Mm. And it's, it's like, fundamentally, you got you, you to gotta step back and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm feeling. I'll accept it. Mm-hmm. But I deserve better. I'm going to take care of myself. Yeah. One of, one of the things that moves me so much when I teach is when I see, I mean, you've seen it in classes. I have people put their hands on their body. Mm. And to make sure that that is a loving touch, like you would give a child, your child, or a child you love, or a partner, a spouse, one of your beloved doggies, like mm. you'd give Shanti, you know, you give that touch 
to mm. yourself. And to me, like forming that type of relationship with yourself for many people is new, is profound, and changes absolutely everything. Yeah. But it's also, it's a hard path to get there, but it is so worth it. And I work on it too. I'm on this journey. I'm not, you know, some totally enlightened being. I have my crummy days where I yell at people, I get sad, I cry, I go through it all. Mm -hmm. But I am committed to this path out of suffering because I think I deserve it. Yeah, that's great. And we all deserve it. And we deserve to be surrounded by people who aren't suffering as well because people who are yeah. suffering are pretty shitty to be around. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they throw their trash on the street and beat people up. And That's right. I mean, that's, that's all suffering. That's all fear. That's all pain. That's all nastiness. And we do our small little part to make ourselves better so we can make our families better, so we can make our friends better, so we can make our little circle of the world as best as we can. Mm. That's beautiful. Those are really, really good reasons to practice. I really, really like that, Adam. Thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with our mover out there? I'm just loving this experience. I love hearing from everybody. I love just knowing that people are waking up and trying things or trying an arm balance and falling over. I just love it. I just love that like somewhere right now, someone's practicing with me and I, I hope they, they know that I'm, I'm with them and that I, I believe in this so much yes. and I, I want them to have the best life they can have for themselves. Yes, you are. And, and you're so incredibly supportive in every way of our little movement, of the movers who are oh. speaking up on the movers group. You're always right there. And I really, really do appreciate that on behalf of our little community. So it's wonderful. Well, I Thanks. love it. So thank you, Kat. Thank you for everything. Oh, thank you. And I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much, Adam. My pleasure. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, I really hope you enjoyed hearing from Adam as much as I did. I must say I find his reproach so fascinating, funny, interesting, so much food for thought there. And it's great to hear his take on yoga and it's so down to earth and it's so, I think, refreshing to hear yoga as being something it's not all about, this is the authentic, this is the right yoga. No, it's just a, a tool and I love that way of seeing things. Anyway, I really appreciate you listening in and I really hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please, please head over to iTunes and give us that lovely five-star review so that others can find us. Also, if you want to find out more about Adam, just go to Movement for Modern Life and you'll see him, Adam Hoke, as one of our teachers. And um, please do subscribe to the podcast, sign up to the website. Um, you'll find loads of amazing teachers and hopefully fascinating information there and um, yeah just a wealth of info on the stuff which I have found so useful when I've been delving into the practices of what it means to live a healthy happy and a sustainable life so until next time take care gosh I really am so enjoying our journey with our champions of change going on a journey of discovery finding out so many new interesting things and ways that I can live 
my happier, healthier and more sustainable life. I really hope that you're enjoying this voyage of discovery too. For more information on anything in here, please go to movementformodernlife.com forward slash podcast. And I am so grateful to you for listening in and supporting my mission and the mission of Movement for Modern Life so that we can continue to make a difference in the world. Now for my ask. It really does make a massive difference to us if you could take the time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you found the podcast so that other people might be able to find this and benefit from all the discoveries I'm making. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so very, very much. I'm so grateful to you. And please do find out more about us and support us at movementformodernlife.com. That's all for now. Catch up with you soon.